Hello there, and thanks for joining me in the podcast today. Gun control and crime. The relationship between gun availability, gun ownership, and gun usage for the purpose of committing crimes, whether it results in death or not. That's the topic. And you have your own opinions on this. I have my opinion. I've read the research. I'm going to review some of the research for you tonight as we look at the topic again, but um, sometimes research doesn't change the opinions of people. Facts don't necessarily change the opinion of people. They shape the argument. They become part of the argument or the discussion, or the communication on the topic. But often facts do not actually change how people think, believe, and how they act. One would think that facts would do that, but that's not the case at all. But nonetheless, facts are important to consider. Facts are important to put into the discussion so that people can at least have the availability of facts, whether they want to believe it or not or utilize it or not. Now, on this topic of gun control and the gun usage and gun availability and gun ownership, as it relates to crime, let's take a look at a study that was recently pub published in the Harvard Journal of Law and Public Opinion, or Public Policy, pardon me. Harvard Journal of Law and Public Policy. Now, in this study that was published about a year ago, they quoted some research that goes back to the early 2000, about 2007 to be exact, but the research has been largely overlooked and forgotten and squelched and put aside and has not been brought out into the dialogue on gun control. In other words, there's been a decided or a definite and deliberate attempt to hold certain information back by people who have certain opinions and want us all to have the opinions that they hold. In this study of the Harvard Journal on Law and Public Policy, they cite research that was conducted by the Centers for D Disease Control, the U.S. National Academy of Sciences, and the United Nations International Study on Firearm Regulation. In other words, these are three presumably independent organizations that have studied the issue of gun control and have formulated their findings in uh, research studies. And what this Harvard Journal did by the authors Don Cates and Dr. Gary Mazur is to take the findings of those three studies and kind of summarize them in the form of an article so we kind of know where the research stands in the area of gun usage and crime. So we have independent studies, three of them. We have some authors that read them and then summarized results in this Harvard Journal of Law and Public Policy that came out oh, almost a year ago. Okay? Now the study was overlooked initially when they did their work. So it's kind of now being rediscovered and brought forward into the dialogue on gun control. 
It's an interesting question as to why the press and why the political policy makers, the politicians, overlook this kind of research and overlook this article and these articles and these findings. So, you know, that's a different topic in itself. Popular assertion is that the United States as an industrialized world has the highest murder rate. That's the popular assertion. Now that goes back to the time of the Cold War when we were in this competition, so to speak, with Russia. And the issue of murder rates uh, came forth as part of that dialogue. And the press and many of the, uh, many of the public policy individuals, political uh, uh, representatives, painted the picture that the United States was the gunslinging country and that the streets of the United States were violent and it was far worse in the United States than what was going on in Russia. And unfortunately, the emphasis on that theme was so strong comparing the United States to Russia that people began to believe the story, believe the theme that was being spoken about and believe the idea that we in the United States are a country that um, has a high murder rate because of gun availability. Well, many people still believe that to be the case. But unfortunately, or fortunately, that's not the fact. The fact is just the opposite. See? Today, violence continues in Russia. Far worse than the United States. Although the Russian people remain virtually as disarmed, similar murder rates also characterized in the Ukraine, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, and many of the independent European nations of the former USSR indicate that where guns are available, murder rate is low. Where guns are not available, murder rate is high. Now that's the finding. But people want us to believe. The press, the public opinion makers, want to believe that uh, just the opposite. That the murder rate is very high because of gun availability. And when you can look at different countries of the world, you can see that this is just the reverse. Public opinion is always wrong on this matter. And uh, more guns do not mean more deaths. Fewer guns mean more deaths. That's the research and the finding of the research of all these studies. Now, homicide results suggest that where guns are scarce, other weapons are used as the substitute weapon for killing. You go way back into the 1700s and, and otherwise, and where guns were not used or not available, things like axes were used as murder weapons and knives and a large number of other instruments. So... The studies show that when you go back into history, if guns are not available, then other weapons are used. So we still have a high murder rate, whether guns are used or not, or people just use a different 
object as a substitute object to bring about their objective of killing someone. Now, Norway, Finland, Germany, France, Denmark, they all have high rates of gun ownership, but they have a very low rate of murders. The murder rate is low. So we see now that um, there is a relationship across the world in the area of gun ownership. If gun ownership is high, murder rate is low. Okay? Now in Luxembourg, where gun or handguns were totally banned, and ownership of any gun is minimal, murder rate is nine times higher than Germany. So you can see that there is this kind of correlation in this relationship between gun ownership and low murder rate. England, let's take a look at England and compare it to the United States. The authors indicate that a negative correlation exists. That is, where firearms are most dense, violent crime rates are the lowest. And where guns are least dense, violent crime rates are the highest. So, England gives us evidence of that as well. Now, in 2004, a study by the U.S. National Academy of Sciences was conducted, and they released the evaluation of reviewing the literature, the research literature on this particular topic. In this study, they reviewed 253 journal articles. They read 99 books, and they read 43 government publications. And... Um, all to find out what the original research says about the relationship between gun availability and murder rates. And, in the, and when they reviewed all of these articles, it failed to identify any gun control that had reduced violent crime, that had reduced suicide rates, or had reduced gun accidents. All that research failed to identify any gun control that had any reduction crime rate suicide and gun accidents that's profound that's profound okay and the same conclusion was reached in 2003 by the US Center for Disease Control armed crime never a problem in England became one handguns were banned but in the kingdom, United Kingdom, England, had millions of illegal firearms. See, criminals had no trouble finding them and exhibited a new willingness to use them. And what they found is that in the decade after 1960, so about 1960, 1970, the use of gun in serious crime increased 100-fold. In the late 1990s, England moved from stringent control to a complete ban on all handguns and all types of long guns. Hundreds of thousands of guns were confiscated from owners, but crime increased instead of decreased. So, 
Ignoring these realities and these results, gun control advocates have cited England as the cradle of our liberties, as a nation made so peaceful by strict gun control that its police did not even have to carry guns. That was the belief. Well, that wasn't the case at all. See? In fact, the opposite was the case. It was just part of a uh, public relations message or a liberal gun control message that was put out there. In other words, fake news. In other words, false news. In other words, twisted news. You see? So, when you can attain uh, a desirable situation of reducing gun ownership, you have to do it. Uh, first and foremost, to allow gun control in the hands of the citizenship. Now, remember that. In the hands of the citizenship. And then what you find is a lower murder rate, a lower crime rate with guns, a lower suicide rate with the use of guns. So that's the research. That's the direction of the research over all these years. We're going back into the mid-1990s and then certainly into the early 2000s. So we have known this for a long time. And our politicians, and our media, and our public policy makers, and our opinion makers, and our, our social leaders have ignored this basic finding from international studies and from studies within the United States. You just read the book of John Lott and uh, L-O-T-T. You'll see again that this pattern has always existed. Research is consistent, study after study, year upon year, that there is no argument that if you want lower murder rates, if you want lower crime rates, the citizenship needs to be armed. Now, there are controls, and there are people that might be best not to be armed, and there are maybe certain circumstances that this does not hold and should not hold, and where there needs to be some governmental intervention and some policies and some laws set down that's very true but the general pattern is allow guns to be owned because you're going to have a lower rate of gun related crime and serious crime such as murder that's the way the research comes out over and over and over again so again one more study that I refer you to and uh, recommend your thinking on this. Now let me go back to what I said in the beginning. It's often true that we do not use facts to form our opinions. We use emotional persuasion. And when the press and when our policymakers are hotly debating and emotionally debating an issue, we tend to side with the hot emotions of the day, whether the facts are there or not, whether it's true or not. That's just the way people form their opinions. They're persuaded by emotion rather than by facts. But here are the facts on this issue. Believe it or not, here are the facts on this issue. You can debate them or not. Here are the facts that you still have to kind of take into account 
whether you dismiss them or not, they're there. And you have to do something with the facts. And what some people do is dismiss. What some people do is hide the facts, which was the case in these particular studies. Three studies, they were hidden since 2007 until just this last year. So there's a um, hanky-panky going on in the world of public opinion and policymaking in the area of gun control because people want a particular point of view to be espoused and to be acted upon by our government, whether those facts are true or not true. So this is a serious matter, but uh, hope that it educates you a little bit, brings you forward in terms of where we are, and um, take heed. People can be trusted. People can be believed. People can be trained. People can be educated. People can be uh, brought under a uh, bushel of control or security and safety, even if they own a gun. And um, it's an educational process. We need a lot of education of people who own guns, of people who are buying guns. And it's like a lot of things. You have to have re-education. You have to have retesting. You know, and I think that if you own a gun, sure, you have to go through a test. You have to go through classes and all that. But it should be like a driver's license. Every once in a while, you have to go in and take a test again. Every once in a while, you have to go in and show that you know the rules of the road. Well, we could have that with gun control. We could set up a system whereby gun control needs to be reevaluated uh, every once in a while. Anybody who owns a gun needs to be reevaluated. Just in the same way they have to be reevaluated to keep their driver's license. Okay? So that's one way of handling it. And uh, I think that would be a good move on the part of our government to set up that kind of a system. Using the driver's license renewal system and apply it to gun renewal across the country. Anyway, nice to have you with me. Thanks for joining us on the uh, podcast today, The Psychology Report. Go to my website, booksbyhedberg.com. My newest book uh, on depression has just come out, and it's available. It's on my website, but it's also on Amazon. Just go to Amazon, go to my name, Alan Hedberg, and you'll see my new book on depression, or just go under depression, and it will pop up as one of the books available to you. So it's available on ebook, on your Kindle, $3.99. It's a great buy. Pick it up, okay? And bye for now.